0: Welcome to Wednesdays with Wade. John Wade, that is, St. Louis University Archivist Emeritus and proud SLU graduate. Tune in each Wednesday for a different topic representing SLU's legends and lore, historical tidbits from SLU's 200 years of mission that pay tribute to our community's commitment to a higher purpose and greater good. Brought to you from the Office of Mission and Identity. Today we are back with John Wayne um, by Zoom, so we apologize if there's some blips in the audio here, but in light of all the different things that have been precluded by COVID, one of them is the NCAA championships, so we're a little bit late in the game, no pun intended, talking about basketball, but John wants to talk to us a little bit today about the dream team at SLU of the 1947-48 basketball team of Billikens. So we're going to hear a little bit about that and excited to hear how it fits into our current history and legacy of SLU basketball. So welcome back.
1: We'll talk uh, basketball this week with all due, you know, deference and respect to, you know, Coach Ford and the current Billiken and other good Billiken teams over the years. This 1947-48 team, I think, is seen as probably the best, the greatest team in St. Louis U uh, men's, basketball, men's basketball history. So um, we had been playing basketball nineteen fourteen. 1914. Uh, and in the yearbooks, if you go back, you'll see there's sections in the yearbooks every year from 1914 up to, the, up to the present it's kind of interesting as I was looking through yearbooks you can tell from the very beginning that football and basketball here at St. Louis U were the big sports you know that they've got a lot of coverage in the newspapers and the yearbooks whereas baseball and soccer later on more so but certainly baseball and other minor sports didn't get so much Covers. but yeah we played basketball as early as, as 1914. and over the years I, I think the way I had, had written it is that we had we were moder- moderately successful but it was somewhat inconsistent. And I got for example in 1924-25 this season, the same as you finished with a 14 and 2 record, which is obviously pretty good. but then in 1926, 1927, two years later, they lost, they lost all, four, all 14 games. So they were kind of up and down. Another interesting thing about well, not just basketball, but football, too, at, at that time, you know, in the teens and, the, and, the, and certainly into the 20s, is that there were a lot of, both for football and basketball, there were a lot of professional school students, medical and law school students who were playing basketball. So it wasn't, even though there was the NCAA had been in existence, for, uh, since I think about 1905, they weren't all these rules for eligibility that we kind of think of now. So uh, in, you know, at at the time in 1947-48, the NIT, the National Invitation Tournament, which the finals were played in New York at Madison Square Garden, the tournament was seen almost as the equal, if not better than the NCAA tournament. A couple of things, the NIT was played in, in New York, which back then, as is today, New York is, you know, the center of the the world, and it was a big, it was a big uh, media draw. The other thing, another issue was, is that the NCAA, they played their tournament games on the college campuses, their their early rounds of the tournament, and some of the schools, particularly in the, the Southeastern Conference, they were segregated, the schools were segregated, you know, and so, other schools, particularly, you know, Northeastern schools, where they had black players on the teams, they couldn't play, or they would cause a big hassle if they tried to play these tournament games at a, let's just say at, at the University of Kentucky. am not being trying to be too critical of these schools, but the, the NIT was seen kind of as, as the more prestigious of the uh, tournaments. This 1947-48 uh, team, uh, Ed McCauley, was the St. Louis the Bills' big star, and McCauley had uh, he had gone to single Louis U. High. He had been the year before. He was a, as a sophomore. He was a third-team All-American player, and he averaged 13 uh, or 13.5 points per game. He was a uh, he was named All-American by both the AP. In upa wire services but in that 47 48 team he was first team all-american and uh, he was named player of the year uh, he was also the most valuable player in in the tournament that year i should mention the other players that 47 48 team were joe Oslo, uh dc Wilcutt were the forwards uh, macaulay had been center and Dan, danny miller and bob schmidt were were guards uh, all these guys, except for Osula, Osula came from uh, from over here, from Collinsville. And the Osula family, they, there were a lot of Osulas that had played basketball at Collinsville High School. Growing up in Illinois, Collinsville was all, always the, uh, you know, the big name in, in high school basketball in southwest Illinois. And D.C. Wilcutt went on to uh, to become. He was the head coach, basketball coach at CBC for years. And I remember when I was in high school, we had a, we played CBC, and I think he was part of the coach then. These were good basketball players. Some of the other players on the team were uh, John Correa, who was a good player, Clay Carey, Hank Raymonds, who went on to coach basketball at, at Marquette University. He was assistant coach with Al McGuire, you know, colorful Al McGuire uh, at Marquette. Carl Weissner was another player, Jack Ray, Bill Wiley, John Ernst, Joe Schmidt, Ray Obie and Tony Rubin, these guys all deserve credit. And as I mentioned earlier, Oslo came from Collinsville and uh, John Ernst came from Decatur on the ice. So back then this nationwide recruiting of players was not, that was the exception rather than the rule. So they were getting the kids primarily from St. Louis U. This team was known as playing a very quick up-tempo style game, a lot of fast breaks. And I've got a quote from Mark Schatzman, one of the guards, uh, and this is a quote. We believe we had a coach, talking about Eddie Hickey, who knew the game, and we dedicated ourselves to playing for that guy, meaning Eddie Hickey. He brought something of a thoroughness to the game I never thought existed. We had good speed, played defense, and there was no selfishness. The New York sports writers talked about how fast we were. So it had a good reputation. I should say something about Hickey. This 47-48 team was the first year Hickey had coached at St. U and he went on to coach at Sioux until the mid 50s. He had played basketball and he had played football at Creighton, uh, and then he went on to coach basketball at Marquette University in, in Milwaukee. So Hickey was a good was a good basketball coach, and had a very good had a very good reputation. So um, did the
0: team, after the 47-48 uh, team, did they get to do well and make it to the championship yeah. or not?
1: They, th- that was the last time they were in the championship. Well, let's just say this. It, during that era, that was the last time they were in, in the championship. Later on, when Rich Grower was coached, they got the NIT finals uh, when Grower was coached, they, but they never won it again. Okay, uh, This was the only year that they had won the tournament. So 47-48 was your slew's dream team. Was the was the uh, was their was their, was their best team. We played New York University in Madison Square Garden in New York City for the finals. And the only time New York led in the game was one to nothing. After about two minutes of the game, they made the first free throw. Wow! Slew led at half twenty five to eighteen, and then we won the game sixty five to fifty two. McCauley was our leading scorer. Uh, 24 points, uh, DC cut at 16. And I, I mentioned earlier that Macaulay was named the most outstanding player of the of the tournament. Ironically, the NCAA tournament that championed that year was the University of Kentucky. Well, the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, they would always hold the Sugar Bowl basketball tournament. Well, that following year, December of 40, So we had won the tournament in in NIT in March of 48. In December of 48, St. Louis U defeated the University of Kentucky 42 to 40 in the final game of of the Sugar Bowl basketball tournament. So we won the NIT 47 48, and we defeated, although it was six months, eight months later, we defeated the NCAA champion that year, University of Kentucky, at the Sugar Bowl tournament. So... That's kind of neat. neat. And I remember a few years ago when we were in the St. Louis U, this was playing in the NCAA in the first round against the University of Kentucky. And uh, I put up an exhibit in in the library, Bills Defeat Kentucky, but it was from, it was from the Sugar Bowl tournament back in in, in 48. Uh, It was kind of funny when the Bills, when they came back to St. Louis uh, by train back then, Uh, They returned to St. Louis on Sunday, March the 21st, uh, and they were welcomed at St. Louis Union Station. There were more than 15,000 fans at Union Station. They were driven, the players were driven to campus in cars. They had streamers and balloons and all that for a noon mass at the college church. One of the players said, for the first time, I knew what it was like to be a hero. We were national champs. You couldn't take your girlfriend to the movies because everyone knew who you were. If you went down to the Fox and tried to sit upstairs, people recognized you even in, in, in the dark. And so this was a really, really big deal. Macaulay, uh, it was a, I got a quote from Macaulay. He says, prior to the NIT championship, St. Rose had some good teams, but basketball wasn't a factor yet in the community. People focused on Indiana or Illinois. But once we won the NIT, people could associate. We started out playing in the West Pine Gym, where we got Notre Dame on the schedule and played them, played them at the old Keele Auditorium. He says an hour before the game, we couldn't get near the place. They had to turn people away. When we won, we filled the place. Being part of that growth of a program was fun and memorable. So, I mean, it was, and Macaulay went on to play in the NBA, uh, played for the singles Hawks here and uh, played for the Boston Celtics as well. It's, it's interesting.
0: So I, I just want to be clear on this. So that SLU was in the NIT and not the, NCE, NCE. Not,
1: not the NCAA at that time.
0: Right? So could, could you
1: be in both or you had to choose one? You had to choose one or the other. And, okay. And, and it, again, it depended, I think. And I don't know all the history of that. But the other thing was is that I think in the NCAA at that time, I think they had set up like eight regions in the country, and so they were only taking one school, so they it wasn't the 64-team tournament like we had sure, today. Sure. It took eight teams, and so you could be a very good team. For example, slow that year, we didn't even win our our Missouri Valley Conference Championship that year, so Oklahoma, Oklahoma, AM, Oklahoma State might have been the team from that region. So you couldn't, they didn't have all these at-large teams like we do now. So you had to, you had to choose. And we, uh, the, I mean, the big thing was it was in the, it was in Madison Square Garden and it was New York media. People wanted to go, go to the garden to play basketball. You know? Of course. Yeah.
0: Right. All right. So it sounds like even though this year we weren't able to celebrate March Madness, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a little yeah. bit of history in our own backyard.
1: Right, right, you know, and not to diminish from what, you know, our, our teams more recently. Um, but, you know, this is seen uh, as kind of the, uh, the greatest team in, in, in SLU history. And Again, you know, the comparison between eras of sports, basketball, baseball, whatever the sport, it's not fair. But uh, when you see the picture of this team, there's all these skinny uh, Caucasian white players and the shorts were very short uh you know in in just such a rat and they were all very, very thin. Ned Macaulay looked like he was emaciated. I mean he's tall and thin, you know, just a bean pole of, of a guy. who was I, I think he was six nine, six ten. Uh I, sh- I should have looked up his weight, but he was not. You know now you know, nowadays I mean these guys, you know, somebody like Shaq or, or or LeBron, I mean these guys are six eight, seven foot. They're 280, 300 I mean he's huge hogging guys, you know, in that. Yeah. and that certainly wasn't, that wasn't the case back then.
0: Well, it's wonderful to be able to have this kind of a grandfather history in right, the basketball right.
1: world. Right, I think so. And certainly you know, so yes, I mean, over the years, certainly since then, I think St. Louis has been recognized as having pretty good basketball teams for the last seven years. Now we never got to the, we never won the NIT again. We never made it to the you know to the final four of the NCAA, but we're certainly uh, respected uh, as a good basketball as a good basketball program. Definitely. Yeah.
0: So. All right. Thanks for talking Thank a little you. bit about um, our basketball history, and we'll talk next time about the history
1: of the Jesuits. How about right. that? Thank, thanks, Sister. All right. All right. Bye. Thanks Bye. so much,
0: John. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So thank you so much for joining us once again, and we'll see you right back here next Wednesday with John Wade.